Welcome to our Frontline City Church podcast. This message will activate and inspire you in the supernatural love of God to find your purpose and reach your destiny through Christ. And so today we're going to look at John chapter 11 verses 1 to 44. You know it well. It's the story of the raising of Lazarus from the dead. Um, but as I said to Amanda last night, that Lazarus actually only features in one verse. Okay, there's a lot that happens around that. So just to give you some of the backstory and just to sketch the picture slightly before we start, is this is about the relationship that Jesus has with Martha and Mary and Lazarus. And so in Luke chapter 10, you'll read that Jesus is at home with them and He's having dinner, and Mary is seated firmly at his feet, listening to him, learning from him, and Martha is cooking or doing whatever she is. And Jesus never moved on his own, so there was this huge crowd that she had to cater for. And she starts mumbling and groaning that she has to do all this work on her own. And Martha just sits there and is soaking in the presence of Jesus. And I think for, for many of us, we've been there. Um, this is very, pretty much talking about our relationship with Jesus. We've served in church for how long? We've sat at his feet. We've learned. We've done whatever. And then we, we go to John chapter 11. And I've, I've titled my sermon, Do You Believe? And so I'm going to challenge you that as we read through the scripture to hear the words of Jesus when he says, Do you believe? And so, if we, John chapter 11, verses 1 to, to 6, or to 5, sorry. Now a certain man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village where Mary and her sister Martha lived. It was the Mary who anointed the Lord with perfume and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. So the sister sent word to him, saying, Lord, he, our brother, and your friend whom you love is sick. When Jesus heard this, he said, this sickness will not end in death. But on the contrary, it is for the glory and honor of God that the Son of Man may be glorified by it. Now Jesus loved and was concerned about Martha and her sister and Lazarus and considered them dear friends. What an amazing passage. Okay, about relationship. About, and this passage goes to great lengths to highlight the relationship, the intimacy, the friendship, and the love that they had for each other. Okay, when you send a message to Jesus and say, our brother, the one that you love, is sick. Your friend, okay? And Jesus says, he calls us his beloved. He's talking about us here. This could, this could be you and I. This could be frontline. Okay, it could be any one of us in the story today. Yeah, this is not about Martha and Mary. It's about you and I. Okay, we've, we've been there. We've sat with Jesus. We've, we've learned from him. We've put up our hands and said, Lord, we'll follow you where you go. Okay, and then the other thing that's interesting for me is that Bethany is not far from where Jesus is, but they, don't, they obviously don't go themselves. They send a message to him. Okay, because they're staying at home to take off to Lazarus, to look after Lazarus. They, send, they simply say to him, Lazarus is sick. They don't demand a solution. They just go to him and they tell him what the problem is. Don't, not Jesus heal him now. Not Jesus do something. They just simply say, the one you love is sick. And this passage is particularly poignant for me because even with this relationship, this intimacy that he, he spends time in their house, he, he calls them friends, they, they say, he says he loves them and he's concerned for them because they are dear friends, that doesn't preclude them from human struggles and pain. How often have we sat there and said, man, you know, I serve you, God. I, I look, I do everything I can. I spend my time. I invest in you. But here I am. I'm in pain. Yeah. 
Here I am, my business is failing. Where are you, God? There's a, there seems to be, there's no expectation here that they should be excluded. And then when Jesus heard this, he said, This sickness will not end in death, but on the contrary, it is for the glory and honor of God, so the Son of God may, may be glorified. By now, if Jesus, who loves you dearly, says you don't, don't worry. That's what you're going for. Your financial crisis, your sickness, just persevere because it's for my glory. <laughs> there, there, there's, there's not a lot of consolation in that. There's not a lot of consolation in that. But we, we have, there's no expectation, we have no entitlement to avoid the struggles of the world. It is how we go through them that makes us, that sets us apart. Whether we can journey through our pain and our suffering in faith is what sets us apart. And then, Jesus sees the full picture long before it even unfolds. He gets a message to say, Lazarus, the one that you love, is sick. And what do you say? This will not end in death. You know, that's not, not what you want to hear. When you're saying that you're sick. Okay? Because the reality is that Jesus sees things as they will be. Not as they are. We see our struggles in the now. And not in the glory of God. And God is saying to, today is, wants to stretch us to believe differently. And so we go to verse 6. And it says, so even when he heard that Lazarus was sick... He stayed in the same place two more days. Okay, bearing in mind, there wasn't WhatsApp and there wasn't Telegraph or whatever other stuff we have today. There was no Wi-Fi. There was no um, any of that stuff. Okay, if you wanted to talk to somebody, that you had to go and talk to them. And the, the, the distance, etc. So he, there was no urgency. Jesus says no urgency. He stays there for two more days. Then he said to his disciples, let us go back to Judea. Now, just the last time he was at the house of Mary, Martha and Mary, the, the people got upset with him and they wanted to stone him, so they, they fled to where they were. Okay, so the, the, the disciples said to him, Rabbi, the Jews were only recently going to stone you. And you are thinking of going back there again? There's, there's a self-preservation issue coming out for the disciples. Okay, well, no, we can't go back there because it gets dangerous to be a disciple then. You want to take us to the place where they want to kill you. Last week, Dad said following Jesus is never going to be comfortable. Okay, and we can't go into self-preservation mode. And then Jesus answered, Are there not 12 hours of light in the day? Anyone who walks in the daytime does not stumble because he sees by the light of this world. But if anyone walks in the night... He stumbles because there is no light in him. He said this and after that, our friend, he said this and after that, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I'm going there to wake him. The disciples answered, Lord, if he has fallen asleep, he will recover. Come on, you don't have to go there. It's dangerous. If he's sleeping, he's going to be okay. Surely you don't have to go there to wake him up. Come on, Lord, as your disciple and somebody's following you, don't send me to the hard places. It's done. You just speak your word. However, Jesus had spoken of his death, but they thought he was referring to his natural sleep. So then Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And for your sake, I'm glad that I was not there, so that you may believe. What did we say? Yeah, do you, the question is, do you believe? And Jesus is saying, through, through, through the challenge, through my friend's death, through me not being there, he has died so that you can believe. But let us go to him. Now, the disciples, the self-preservation mode has failed, okay, because Jesus is going. And then Thomas, who was called Didymus, the twin, said to his fellow disciples, let us go too, that we may die with him. Come on, come on. 
Let us go out here. Let us say to Jesus today, let me follow you that I may die with you. That's not so simple to do. But the question is, do you believe? If you want to be part of the supernatural, you're going to have to follow Jesus to the difficult places. You can't stay in your comfort zone and hope to see the miracles happen. But here's the part that I find so amazing. Okay, and it's, it's something that has challenged me daily since I've read it and since I've been working with this. Jesus teaches his disciples that you have a choice to move in the light or in the darkness. Okay, his disciples are probably saying to him, Lord, let's go when it's dark so the enemy can't see you. And Jesus says, no, we're going to go when it's light because I'm the light of the world. And then you can see your enemy. But there's only two choices. There's either light or there's darkness. There's no twilight zone. Okay, there's no dusk. There's no partial darkness or partial light. And I, I find myself when I listen to what's going on around us in the world today, where I, I get caught up in the troubles of the day. And I stumble along, stumbling over COVID-19, stumbling over the economy, stumbling over finances, because that is walking in the darkness. But walking in the light, and it's something Amanda and I often chat about, or I've had to explain to her from time to time, is you can see your final destination, and you automatically avoid the, the, the stumbling blocks here. So if you're going to walk around looking at the problems that you're faced, whether it's your illness, whether it's your economy, whether it's COVID-19, you're going to stumble over the first and the next obstacle. If you get caught at home where the lights go out suddenly, okay, I don't walk around with the cell phone with me. You youngsters will be okay because you switch your torch on your phone. Um, I have to get up and I have to feel through the dark, find, the, find that I don't stump, bump my toe against the couch, find the door, find the torch before I can move properly, even in a place that I know. But when you drive your car, what makes you drive in a straight line is the fact that you focus on where you're going and you automatically autocorrect. And if you don't believe me, try it. Look down while you're driving. Don't focus on where you're going. You're going to be all over the road. So you focus on where you're going. That is what Jesus is teaching us today. If you walk in the light, you can see the end destination. If you walk in the darkness, you're going to end up feeling your way around. And stumping, bumping your toe or stumbling. There's only two choices. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. If you're walking in his light... You can focus on where he's taking you. Even if you leave from where you are with trepidation, knowing that where you're going to, you're saying, well, let's go and die with him. Dad spoke of the sacrifices that a life of faith is going to take. This is the kind of sacrifice that Jesus demands from us. To say in your life, Lord, and not my life. How much are you prepared to sacrifice for Jesus today? Your life, your family, your career, your comfort, are you prepared to put them second to Jesus? Where are you prepared to follow Jesus too? Lord, I'll go wherever you go, but just not there. Lord, no, not here, bro. You must be crazy. There's other people who go there. Are we comfortable in our faith that we, like the disciples, have adopted a self-preservation mode? I will go and pray with the people who go on a Saturday as long as it's not inconvenient. 
I want to go. I want to go pray at the hospital, but man, I'm scared of COVID. I want to pray against COVID, but just not there. I want to stand up to this virus and say this thing cannot exist in the presence of God, but. I just want to speak it into being. I don't want to act it into being. So we go to verse 17. So when Jesus arrived, he found Lazarus had already been dead, been in the tomb four days. Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles away. And many of the Jews had come to see Martha and Mary to comfort them concerning the loss of their brother. So when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went to meet him, while Mary remained sitting in the house. Then Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Man, yeah, yes, Martha. Okay, and in the previous encounter that Jesus was in their house, she was cooking for him, she was catering for him. Mary was sitting by his feet. And then they go through hard times. They, they, they go through hard times and Jesus, does, Jesus disappoints. So where does she meet him? Not in, the, not in the lounge. Not in the kitchen. At the entrance to the village of Bethany. She keeps him at arm's length. There where you meet the strangers. In Lesotho, one of the, the, the oddest things there is that those people don't have gates. But nobody will come across their boundary line without an invitation. So if you want to go to a stranger's house, you go to, you go to, you go to where the boundary line is, and they, they will call them for you, and they'll come and meet you and invite you. And pretty much like our houses nowadays, okay? Um, if somebody comes to my gate, I see them from a distance, and automatically I start preparing my, my answer for this Jehovah's Witness or this beggar or whatever. And we, yeah, Martha is out of there. She's at the village gate. Okay? She's meeting him at a distance. And says to him, if you had come, best you explain yourself to me, God. Jesus, what is your problem? Why weren't you here? Needed you. You didn't deliver. Can you see the indignation? Can you sense her disappointment? How many of us? How many of you sitting here today? are disappointed with God. How many of you would want to have a one-on-one -on -one conversation where you can tell him what you think? How many of you are keeping God at a distance because when you wanted him, he didn't show up in time? How many of us are pushing God away? Saying, you stay there until you explain yourself. And then, and then, and then, once it's tied down, and she realizes who she's speaking to, she says, even now, even now, I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give to you. Yeah. Even now. And maybe that's the most powerful passage in this whole 40 passages, is that even now, when I'm hurting even now, when I don't understand the pain. Even now, when it doesn't make sense. Even now, I know. Even now, I know that what you're asking for, He will give you. If you're in that place where you're pushing God away, where you're disillusioned, where it hurts, then now, now, it's the time to pray that even now I pray. Lord, even in my, the fact that I don't understand, even when it hurts, I know that whatever you ask Him for, He will give you. Jesus told her, your brother will rise from the dead. Man, 
What a Jesus. What a Savior. And what does is, what is Martha say? So I know. I know you will rise from the dead in the resurrection on the last day. Yes, I've read your word, God. I know your promises. I know how this thing unfolds. I've read Revelations. I know how the story ends. But it doesn't help my pain now. And then Jesus said to her, I am. You've heard those words before? God said to Moses, tell him, I am. I am sent you. He says, I am. I am the resurrection and the life. I am here now. I am the resurrection and the life now. Not one day when you get to heaven. Not the eternal life. I am the resurrection and the life now. And today, Jesus wants to tell you that He is present in this place and He is the resurrection and the life now. And then He says, whoever believes in and adheres to and trusts and relies on me as Savior will live even if he dies. And everyone who lives and believes in me as Savior will never die. Then he asked the question, Martha, do you believe this? Amanda, do you believe this? Pastor Wendy, do you believe this? Michael, do you believe this? Each one of you need to answer that for yourself today. Do you believe this? Do you believe that your Savior is the resurrection and the life? That everything between death and life is in His hands. She said to him, yes, Lord. I have believed and continue to believe that you are the Christ, the Messiah, the Anointed, the Son of God. You who was destined and promised to come into the world. And it is for you that the world has waited. It's not the answer that Jesus was looking for. That's an educated head answer. What he's looking for is an answer that responds to a reckless love that would put his son on the cross to die for you. He's looking for that kind of reckless response that says, Yes, God, I believe. Yes, Jesus, I believe. Yes, Jesus, I will follow you because you're the resurrection of the life. And because I follow you, death has no harm over me. Too often we have an educated response, an intellectual response to God, because we've read it, but we don't believe it. And Jesus is asking us, do you believe? Do you believe? What I find interesting is, we sing songs about, even when Jesus shows up late, it's never too late. In Jewish tradition or superstition, it was always believed that the spirit hangs around the body for three days and waiting for an opening to go back into the body. Which is why Jesus arrived on the fourth day to put paid to any doubt that he was the resurrection and the life. That none of the educated intellectual people could say, well, yes, it was bound to happen. We expected this. There's nothing miraculous about this. To know Jesus is to know resurrection. To know Jesus is to know life. But not life with pain and misery and suffering, but life in abundance. I believe that today, Jesus is challenging you and I to move from our intellectual, reasoned believing of God to a reckless, passionate response to God. And so I want to ask you today, what have you lost? What has this lockdown cost you?
for many have lost family or loved ones. Some have even ended with health issues due to COVID-19. For many, their security has been threatened and rattled. Relationships have broken down. Maybe you've lost your career or your income, your home or possessions, your hopes and your dreams. Maybe your dreams have died. Your hopes have been shattered. Today, I am the resurrection and the life is present in your hurt and your pain. Today, Jesus wants to resurrect all that you've lost. Speak life into that which you thought was dead. To bring hope into your suffering. Do you believe? Do you believe? He's here. You're in the presence of the life giver. You're in the presence of the one who has power over death and life. And then in verse 28, we go on to say, After she had said this, she left and called her sister Mary, privately whispering to her, The teacher is here and asking for you. Man, the story just doesn't get easier. In the midst of her pain and her suffering and her grief, Martha calls her and says, the teacher is here. When you would be wanting a comforter, You'd be wanting to somebody to bring you a tissue, wipe your, peer, your tears, give you a hug and tell you it's going to be okay. They were close friends, weren't they? But yet she says, the teacher, the teacher is here. What lessons have you had to learn through your pain and your suffering? What lessons have you had to learn through the lockdowns? Through the loss of your, your job, what have you learned, had to learn? Is it to trust God more? Is it to rely on God and not on your own being? The teacher is here. And when she heard this, she got up quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had still not entered the village, but was still at the place where Martha had met him. So when the Jews who were with her in the house comforting her saw how quickly Martha got up and left, they followed her, assuming that she was going to the tomb to weep there. When Mary came to the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet, saying to him, Did you, Can you see the star contrast here? Martha goes to the gate and says to him, Best you explain yourself. Mary goes there and falls at his feet. It is the same place she was when he went for dinner. Martha was busy. Mary was at his feet. In John chapter 12, it is Mary that pours the perfume over his feet. She goes to the place that she knows by Jesus. She actually goes in full surrender. And then she says to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But not from a place of self-righteous indignation, best you explain yourself. But a place of surrender. A place of worship. When Jesus saw her sobbing and the Jews who had come with her also sobbing, he was deeply moved in spirit to the point of anger at the sorrow caused by death and was troubled. Don't let your pain and your suffering affect the way you relate to God. Yeah, Mary, 
is routinely at Jesus' feet. And in the midst of her struggle, she falls face first at his feet. And from that place of subordination says to him, if you had been here, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Do not stop worshiping. Do not stop studying his word. Do not stop praying. Don't let your struggle separate you from God and the place where you find his comfort and his presence. But notice how with Martha, Jesus' interaction is about teaching and challenging her to believe from her place of indignation and self-righteousness and demanding an answer. But the moment, the moment Mary falls at his feet, he was deeply moved in spirit to the point of anger at the sorrow caused by death and was troubled. As we come to him in surrender, he feels our pain. Whatever you have lost, whatever you have gone through, Jesus is troubled by your pain. Jesus knows it. And he's moved in his spirit. And he said to wherever you have laid him, they said, Lord, come and see. And then Jesus wept. Jesus knows what it is to shed tears. Jesus knows what you've gone through, what you're going through, and he understands. So the Jews were saying, see how he loved him as a close friend? But some of them said, could not this man who opened the blind man's eyes have kept this man from dying? There are always going to be the cynicals around you and say, why are you going to church? Look what, he, look what has come. It's come to naught for you. That you're wasting your time. It's the relationship with Jesus that brings you back. Not the noise of the world. And I want to tell you again that, that no matter where you are, no matter what you're going through, no matter what you've been through, Jesus is here. And Jesus is troubled to the point of anger. I, I'm going to go out on a limb here and tell you that with COVID-19 or whatever corona, etc., whatever strain we end, Jesus is troubled in his spirit. This thing cannot exist in his presence. Corona, COVID is powerless for the one who is the resurrection and the life. And that there is healing at his hands for everyone who has suffered. The challenge that you and I have is that just as of old, the lepers were outcasts and were not allowed to be interacted with. The world has turned the people who are positive with COVID into to outcasts, essentially, because they're forced into isolation and are dying on their own. And they, they demand, they, they're worthy of a touch from our Savior. A healing touch. A liberating touch. But we can't get to them. But we can get to them in the Spirit. So then in verse 38, we carry on. So Jesus again deeply moved to the point of anger. Approached the tomb. When we, as God's, Jesus' disciples, as people in relationship with him, can only act when we get to the point of anger. When we say enough of this virus, And we say we're going to rebuke it because it cannot exist in the presence of God. 
but I digress. And it was a cave, and a boulder was lying against it to cover the entrance. Jesus said, take away the stone. Take away the stone. What is there that you need to take away in your life today? For Jesus to get to what has died in your life. There's an instruction. What is there that is an illogical, irrational decision that you have to make that God has been telling you to move, to change, to act on? Martha and the sisters of the dead man said to him, Lord, by this time there will be an offensive odor, for he has been dead for four days. It is hopeless. It is hopeless. And I sense that there's somebody here today. Somebody who's got to the point of hopelessness. And today I want to tell you that nothing is hopeless when Jesus is present. When you get to that place of hopelessness, you need to shout out louder. I sense, whether it's here or somebody who's, who's going to hear this message, there's hopelessness to the point of suicide. I want to rebuke that spirit right now. Death has no power in the presence of the I am. We rebuke that spirit that says to you that you're without hope. Your life is in Jesus. He's reaching out. He's touching you now. He's calling you now. And if you're not here, then I want to encourage you to please get in contact with our contact numbers that will be put up on this on our platforms later. Do not, do not try and go through this alone. Amen. And then Jesus said to her, did I not say to you, if you believe in me, you will see the glory of God. The expression of his excellence. Jesus doesn't say you believe that my circumstances are going to turn around. He says, if you believe in me. The rest is up to him. The glory of God is not yours to determine. It is his. What we are asked to do is to open the cave, to reveal the wounds that put us in this place. Those things that stink, those things that we try and keep away from the world, Jesus is here and he says, I want to raise that which you think has no more life. That which you have buried long ago, I am going to call it forth now. So they took away the stone. Whoa, man, did you? It, it doesn't take that many people to put Lazarus in the tomb. It takes a lot of people to put the stone there. And it takes a community to move it away. Neither Mary or Martha could do that on their own. Sometimes our healing comes through being in community. In a world that wants isolation, once us shut down in, on our own, we need community to help us to get to our deepest wounds. And Jesus raised his eyes towards heaven and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that, not I know. And I went to check. There's no spelling errors. There's no red lines in the Bible. I knew way back when that whatever I'm going to ask you for today, you will do. I'm not coming here with wishful thinking. I know. I knew 
that you always hear me and listen to me. But I've said this because of the people standing around. So they may believe. Do you believe? Amen. I've lost my place. That you have sent me and that you have made me your representative. The quality of our public prayers is dependent on the quality of our private prayers. Jesus spent much time with his Father. Which is why he says, I knew. I knew that whatever I ask, I'm going to ask you for today, you've already done for me. And so as we step out into the world, it is incumbent on us to have a relationship with God. That's when we get to a situation, you can say, I knew from back then that what I'm going to ask you for today, you will do for me. When he had said this, he shouted with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out! And out came the man who had been dead, his hands and feet tightly wrapped in burial clothes, linen strips, and with a burial cloth. God needs one word to bring restoration, to bring healing into your life, to bring resurrection of that which you thought was dead. It takes one word from Jesus. But man, have you, have you seen what burial cross looked like? They, they wrapped these people up tightly. Um, and so Lazarus had two options. He, he either, and if you look at the various commentators, they, they at a long as to how this happened, he either floated out as the spirit, or he had to try and shuffle out like the, the, this in his grave clothes, okay, which is not what Jesus had intended for him. That is not the life Jesus called him to. Was that shuffling around and being restricted? And so he says to the people around him, unwrap him and release him. Come on, church. Are you going to go out there and unwrap and release the people who are still walking around with their grave clothes, even although they've encountered Jesus? Because there are people sitting in churches around the country who are still walking around with grave clothes on. Who have never experienced the freedom that Jesus brought. They've never experienced the, the release from the pain of their past. Do you believe? Do you believe, church? Do you believe? Because what you believe will inform your actions. There are people out there walking around with grave clothes of apartheid. Do you believe that God can set them free from that that which inhibits them? There are grave clothes of poverty. Do you believe that Jesus can set them free from poverty? There are grave clothes of suffering. There are people walking around with a victim mentality that holds them back. Jesus wants to set them free. But he needs me and you to unwrap them. He's done the work. He's done the doubt. He needs someone to set them free. There are people with grave clothes of pain and trauma. And in this country, there's, lots of, there's far too much of that. 
What did you set them free? There are people who walk around with grave clothes of unforgiveness. There are people who know Jesus that have never been set free, that are walking around restricted by grave clothes. But you can only act if you believe. How many times did Jesus have to speak? He never asked Lazarus once if he believed that he could be raised from the dead. But he spoke to all the other role players and said to them, Will you believe? Do you believe? Our country is in a dark place. Our country faces massive challenges. Jesus is the solution. You name the problem, he's got the answer. But he needs the people to unwrap the people who are walking around in grave clothes. We can either have a selfish faith that says God blesses me. I come to Frontline because Frontline is an amazing place. The community, they're caring, they're loving, and I experience and I encounter God there each time I come there and it's good for my soul. And I can go home and turn a blind eye to the world around me. I can see the need of others around me. And say to Jesus, man, let's just go into self-preservation mode. You go, you speak a word, and they'll be okay. But here we see that Jesus speaks a word, and he needs hands and feet to untie the people. Last week, Dad spoke about seeing the hopelessness in the eyes of the people in the rural villages. It's the grave clothes of hopelessness. It's the grave clothes of poverty. Jesus needs people to go and release them from the grave, from the grave clothes. Free them from the past. I'm going to share with you just quickly. No. In Matthew 10, verse 7 to 8, Jesus sends his disciples out. And he says to them, And as you go, preach, saying, The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cure those with leprosy, and cast out demons. As you go from this place today, that is the instruction God gave his disciples. We have all sat here willingly at some point and said, here I am, Lord. I am ready to be a frontliner. I don't want to sit be an office, Johnny. I want to go into the front line of the spiritual warfare. I want to go and fight the battle where it rages. That is your instruction. That is your instruction. Go and cure the sick. We all do that. We've all prayed for the sick. But man, you've got to go and raise the dead. And I apologize, but we, and the churches around the country, (coughs) even around the world, will have a healing service. But they won't have a service to raise the dead. Imagine we have a, have, a, have a service here where you bring your coffin, bring your loved ones. We're going to raise the dead. It doesn't happen. 
But if you don't believe that Jesus can raise the dead, then you might as well not pray for the sick. If you don't believe Jesus can raise the dead, then don't try and cast out demons. He's an all or nothing kind of God. So as we go from this place, we go knowing that we have an almighty God. We have, we have a God who wants to set people free from the grave clothes of the past. So today, as I close, I, I sense that there's people here who have never accepted Jesus as their Lord and Savior. If that's you and you would like to accept Jesus as your Savior now, then please raise your hand with me. You can stand in the crowd and watch Jesus act. Or you can be one of those for whom Jesus acts. Let us pray together the salvation prayer. Let us all stand as we pray. Heavenly Father, I come to you today acknowledging that I am a sinner in need of a Savior. I ask forgiveness of my sins and receive Jesus as my Lord and Savior. I believe that He died and rose so that I may belong to you. Thank you that from this moment on, I am forgiven and free, and that I am now a child of God. Amen. Now I want to encourage you, if you're sitting at home, or wherever you're watching this, whenever you're watching, and if you have prayed this prayer in your heart with earnestness, then please send us a message. Please get in contact with us as we'd like to support you and journey with you in your journey of faith. We hope that you enjoyed today's message. Our services are streamed live on our Facebook page every Sunday morning at 9.30. For more information and resources, please go to our website, www.frontlinecitychurch.co.za or look us up on Facebook, Instagram and YouTube.